Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. With this massive transfer of wealth, combined with the rise of the millennial generation as the next wave of philanthropists, are you as a nonprofit leader ready to engage these next generation of donors? Well, this and other critical questions are answered by Michael Moody, my guest today on the Nonprofit Leadership Show. He's the co-author of the new book, Generation Impact, How Next-Gen Donors Are Revolutionizing Giving. Among other things in his book, he highlights some of the new notable names in philanthropy like Justin Rockefeller, Alex Soros, Victoria Rogers, and Hannah Quimby. The way this next generation donors are looking at nonprofits may just change the way you look at your own organization. Enjoy today's show. Michael, it is really good to have you on the show, and I think this topic is extremely relevant. So thanks for taking time to be on the show today. You know, thrilled to be here and, and uh, happy to, to have you feature the book. We're really excited. You got it. Well, it's been fun. You know, last week we had Bill Meehan and Kim Yonker, who also have a new book out. And they actually talk about in their book the fact that right now there is a major shift when it comes to the transfer of wealth from one generation to the next. And I know you touch base on this a little bit in your book um, about this wealth transfer. Talk about the significance of this for nonprofit leaders and donors alike, and then specifically, obviously, as it relates to the millennial generation. You know, there's a couple of dynamics going on uh, in, in, in many people, of course, who if you follow the news and, you know, you, you've been hearing the, the dramatic numbers about this, um, what, what most people tend to know is that there's this incredible wealth concentration that's been happening uh, for the last several decades uh, in, 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 in the U.S., but it's really been happening across the globe, um, in, in which a smaller and smaller group of families and individuals have a greater and greater proportion of the wealth. Um, and, the, and, you know, people think of it as this sort of wealth concentration, but they forget that those families are multi-generational families and that they – uh, that that wealth doesn't just get spent out in in the course of one person's life. That that concentration of wealth is now leading to um, a wealth transfer. Uh, in fact, the very historic wealth transfer of you know that we're right in the middle of. It's a 50-year period in which you know almost 60 trillion dollars is getting passed from older generations. Those would be sort of the greatest generation and the baby boomers to Gen Xers and millennials who are now becoming adults. Um, and so they are they are inheriting a significant really a historic amount of resources uh of that 60 trillion um almost half is already being designated uh by the estimate to go towards charitable philanthropic purposes um and then that doesn't even count the additional wealth that's being inherited that might be going um, it might be dedicated to charity because those heirs decide that they're going to dedicate it to charity. That's all in addition, of course, to the 
um, the the wealth that's being created by the you know by the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, the sort of the younger uh, entrepreneurs in 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 fields that are experiencing dramatic booms, and so there's first generation wealth being created by this younger generation, um, and all of that put together suggests that that uh, where we're, we're you know the nonprofit and the philanthropic world we find ourselves is that there is a group of people who have more resources to give than really any previous generations of donors. And so if you look at the those who are going to, we're talking today about, and in our book we talk about the those who can be major donors, those who are going to be able to give at a high level. And those um, donors have the ability, they, have, they, have, they are going to have the ability to be the greatest philanthropist of all time, uh, simply because of the amount of resources that they want to give, but also because they want to be involved in giving from the very beginning of their lives. They want, they're getting involved much earlier in their lives. Um, and uh, and they're really excited about some of the changes that are happening, and so they want to push those changes. So for all those reasons, in the book we call them the most significant philanthropists in history, which is a really dramatic thing to say. Uh, but it's you, you know it, it, it suggests just how important this group of people is, and how important they are to the nonprofit sector in particular, because they are going to be the major donors and major donors at a level that's unprecedented for the next several decades. And so the nonprofit sector really needs to think very clearly and hard about how they're going to engage these major donors. And that's partly what we try to do in the book is give some information about who they are and who they're going to be. Well, it's fascinating. I mean, first of all, the amount, $60 trillion, is just unbelievable. Uh, that's that's a lot of money. And uh, and then in your book, then Generation Impact, you and your co-author, Sharna Goldsacker, explore this new generation of donors who have the unique ability to create change and transform the way the world gives. And you already mentioned that they just by the sheer fact they have so much money at their disposal, they're, they're going to impact this next wave of giving and philanthropy. Um, how is philanthropy going to change then overall for nonprofits specifically? And specifically about with the millennials as they shape that change, talk a little bit about your research and what you're Discovering. This is, of course, the big question for the nonprofit sector, as I mentioned, and uh, and we really don't know that much about them, uh, surprisingly, given that we do know quite a bit about what previous generations of major donors um, have been, or why they give, and how they like to give, and to what causes they want to give. And so what we do in the book is really ask those questions of this rising generation, and again, focus on those who have the capacity to be really big givers of the next generation, either earning wealth themselves or inheriting this wealth as part of that wealth transfer. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and we really find in, in a broad sense, we find that they are very interested in making some fundamental changes. And in fact, not just interested, they're eager and chomping at the bit, if you will, to make these changes in philanthropy. Um, uh, and, and we, in fact, so much so that we talk about them as, uh, leading an impact revolution. Um, so, and revolution is not a word we use lightly. Uh, and the reason we say that is because they are extremely interested, they're extremely excited about what can they do to finally move the needle on some of these problems that they've seen their parents and grandparents working for, giving large sums of money in many cases, um, philanthropically, to solve problems like, you know, world hunger or poverty in U.S. cities or homelessness or, you know, unequal educational outcomes, those kind of things. They've seen these problems, they care about these problems, and they've seen that they continue to persist despite all this philanthropic activity. So they say, as one of them in the book puts it, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different, uh, uh, different results. We have to try new things. We have to change the ways we try to address these problems. 
Um, and because ultimately what they want is to have greater impact. They talk all the time over and over again about wanting to have greater impact. And that has great, and, and all the things that they're, that they're choosing to do or that they're excited about doing to change that those things that we say they want to revolutionize about how big giving happens are all driven by this desire for more impact, what we call in the book an, a sort of an, an obsession with impact almost. Um, it's not that previous generations of big donors don't care about results, um, but it's simply that this next generation wants to change whatever's necessary to change. They want to break things up if necessary to to lead to that greater impact. And, of course, that's going to have dramatic consequences for the, the nonprofits that are out there doing the work that they want to support to have that greater impact. So some of the things that they want to do to make these changes very specifically, I'll just I'll list a couple of them, and then we can talk about more of them later as well. So they really want to focus on changing the strategies that big donors use to create more impact. As I said, they want to try new things. Things um, and that and and that includes, for example, uh, not taking they 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 sort of askew what they see as previous generations, uh, what they call a peanut butter approach, where you you sort of have this big pot of money and you spread it around to a lot of different nonprofits, and you hope in some ways one of them is going to have great impact. They want to find instead one or two organizations or solutions that they really think are going to work and focus deeply on those. Um, get really engaged with those organizations. Uh, and so that, that focus is, and that sort of proactive focus is one big strategic change they want to make. They're also really interested in measurable results and outcomes and doing the research about those things. Um, and then finally, I think the, 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 the uh, well, not finally, another one that's really significant for them is trying new approaches, which are, which are cropping up, as you know, in the field of nonprofit and philanthropic social sector kind of work in general. They're really excited about those innovations that are happening that they think could be uh, a new tool to create greater impact. They want their tool belt, in fact, as big donors, to be much more diverse than just grants to 501c3 charitable organizations. They want to do a lot of impact investing. They want to do crowdfunding and collaborative giving with others. They want to give for organizing and political giving. Um, anything really that can that can potentially be a lever for more impact, they want to try it out. Interesting. And I think I want to, yeah, let's talk about that a bit in terms of just the day in and day out leadership of a nonprofit. Um, as you mentioned, if they want to be more hands-on, more involved, um, my question, of course, is what's the implications for nonprofit leaders? Uh, would you say then that a nonprofit leader, uh, an ED or CEO, whatever title they take, really has to take into consideration not just that this is a donor, but this is someone who wants direct impact. I mean, if you are serving uh, food, they'll want to be serving alongside you. Is is that the kind of like hands-on involvement or is it more hands-on in terms of making decisions, being at the table, uh, running all the decisions through the donor? How does it work and in, in how you're seeing this play out? Yeah, well, I think Part of it is that we're we're just sort of figuring this out, right? Because the uh, you know the, the, these donors are just coming into their roles as major donors, um, and uh, and I certainly think that in some cases it's going to be you know delivering you know delivering the the meals on wheels or you know or or the the very hands-on traditional sort of volunteer time um, kind of engagements. But I think and, and in some cases it can be you know having the next gen donor crew you know host and organize a reception among their peers of other next gen in the community to to raise money for the organization and you know they're not opposed to doing those kinds of things but what they but they don't want to stop there and they really do want to be in as you mentioned 
in the meetings in which decisions are getting made. Um, they want to they want to be uh, taken seriously as having some real skills to 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 bring to an organization. Um, and uh, and and so that means you know meeting with the executive director of the, of the CEO uh, on a regular basis to talk about okay what was our benchmark for how, for how, what outcomes were we going to meet this year why did we not meet those benchmarks let's talk about how we can fix that or here's a new program idea and I'm a, I'm an expert as a next gen donor I'm a lawyer and I can give legal advice on you know how to organize this new social enterprise idea that we've been developing in our organization. You know, you know, be there from the beginning with new ideas. In fact, they are going to bring a whole lot of new ideas. And so I think you know, on a very practical level, the, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the staff of a nonprofit, um, need to be very careful about recognizing how they respond when this, these eager, really excited next generation donors come to them with these great ideas that they've been researching on their own about what the, what the nonprofit can do. Uh, one of the people in the book says that the worst thing that a nonprofit can tell me is, when I bring them this great new idea that I'm excited about, they can they'd say, "Oh, that's interesting. We'll look into it." They say because that 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 basically just means no. Uh, and, I, and she says, "I've I've had enough experience now that I know to read when a nonprofit is really just kind of placating me." Uh, she says, "I want to take it seriously, even if you decide that it's a bad idea. We'll decide that together as we go through it. But take my ideas seriously, and the fact that I'm that I'm you know excited about something that I think could really raise your 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 effectiveness and your impact." So as a nonprofit ED, you can find a task that the, you know, like a new program area or, a, you know, a new idea for a fundraising, a, a, a funding stream, a sustainable revenue stream. And you say, okay, you next generation donor who wants to be really involved with your talent, here's an idea. We're just exploring this. Go out and research it. Find some of your peers and here, create a task force. And you guys figure out what is what you're going to recommend to the organization, and they get all excited about that, and then they come back, and not only are they coming back with a great idea, well researched, that where they brought all their talents to bear, them and their peers, but they're coming back with significant amount of resources to fund that idea because they're so invested in it. So that's just sort of a new way of thinking about engaging uh, donors that I think next gener you know nonprofits are going to have to start thinking about as the next generation comes in. And it comes into the scene. Well, in your book, you reference some of the notable new names in philanthropy today, from like Justin Rockefeller to Alex Soros uh, to Victoria Rogers and Hannah Quimby. Um, you've talked a lot about how they want to get involved. Perhaps you could talk about a little bit how do they not want to get involved, or how do they what turns them off in terms of uh, various nonprofits and how they typically engage with donors. Yeah, well, I mentioned a couple of these. I, I think already, I, you know, they're, they're, I think given how we've talked about how they want to be involved, you can you can sort of guess what some of these might be, which is. You know, they don't want to be just involved by writing checks, of course, or, or you know, or giving money. Uh, and they don't want to be involved in ways that feel meaningless, uh, you know, or token. Uh, they they don't want to be on, um, you know, on an, just a sort of a junior board that plans a, a gala event and and that's what they're that's that's their job. Um, you know, the the. Uh, they also, again, want to be taken seriously. They want their ideas taken seriously, um, and uh, and and frankly, you know, they they want to they want to see the impact. Uh, you know, back to the message of the, the main message of the book is that they want to be involved in ways that allows them to get excited about the difference that they're making on these issues that they really care about, um, and uh, and and I and they want to be involved in ways that they're trying that they can they feel like they're trying new things that they're that they know about in the field and that um and that they're they're attempting to really make a difference in the world um and so so it, you know the the sort of they don't they don't dislike the traditional just because it's traditional 
um, but they tend not to be want to be involved in those traditional donor ways that you're in that that donors are involved you know board seats that are sort of ceremonial board seats they're they're just not interested in that um, they'd much rather be on that you know that special task force that I was talking about so one of the ways that they uh, really want to be involved uh, with nonprofits relates to this question of them being really driven by the values and driven by values that they've learned from older generations um, you know they they instead of what we hear often from the media the next generation really is interested in being involved with the older generations um, so instead of nonprofits saying we need to, to take those older generations folks and transition them off the board in order to get newer people on the board the the next generation wants to be involved on the board with the older generation uh, that you know they 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 hate this metaphor of the of the relay race, uh, which happens of course in family foundations, but it happens also on nonprofit boards where you know the idea is the next the older generation's been you know uh, involved as governing this organization for many years, and it's time for them to pass the baton and leave the scene and let the other people take over the race. The next generation doesn't want that to happen. They want to be on this on in a multi generational team. They, you know the metaphor is more of like a team sport. They want to be on the field. With the veterans, um, as and even though they're the rookies, the rookies are bringing some things that are really valuable, and they want to be taken seriously for that. But they also take seriously the value of what the veterans bring. So, on a nonprofit board, you know, as you're designing and thinking about how to get integrate the next generation, particularly these next generation who can be major donors, onto your board, uh, don't think of them as replacing the older generation. Think of them as of, uh, as being in some ways in a mentor a mentee relationship with an older generation board member, they love those mentor relationships because it takes them seriously as a leader, um, and, uh, and they recognize the wisdom and the value of having uh, you know and engaging, interacting with the older generations, um, while also wanting to be recognized as bringing their own values. So I think that's uh, you know so I think one of the you asked me what what is one of the things that they don't want to do? They don't want to be just on the junior board. They want to be on the main board. They want to be in the major leagues, if you will, with the older donors and older board members trying to, to be more effective and create more impact for the organization. Well, this is very interesting, and I think my listeners are going to really enjoy getting these insights from your book. And now as you think about nonprofits that are doing this well, that are already successfully implementing these principles from your book in their nonprofit, who are a couple examples that you would uh, list today? I think um, you know one that comes to mind is one that uh, that was mentioned that 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 one of the donors in the book, a woman named Sarah OJ. She's the we we, we feature in the book thirteen individual next generation donors um, by name and and through firsthand accounts that they've written and edited for the book. Um, and uh, some of those names you mentioned already before are some of the donors in the book. And Sarah OJ. Um, is one that we feature when we're talking about the emergence of and how next gens are thinking about emerging their own identities. Um, she's been very involved uh, since she was a teenager uh, in giving um, and uh, and now has become involved in something called the Maverick Collective, which is sort of well, becoming well-known in philanthropic circles because Melinda Gates is involved um, and some other famous women. But it's a it's a it's a the Maverick Collective is a is an is an a peer-based giving organization, a, a giving network, um, in, in which women uh, of means are able to um, share ideas with each other, have meetings in which they, they energize each other and, and learn from each other. But they're also all, uh, all of them are out um, doing work in individual parts of the world, which, which are driven by their own values and passions. Um, for in Sarah's case, it's working with. 
um, single mothers in Central America, but in a lot of other people, it's in different places of the country. Uh, and they're not just writing checks. They're going out and, and visiting those places, meeting local organizations, doing volunteer work, but also engaging closely so that they can see what those organizations really need. Um, and the, the secret of all this Maverick Collective, the reason I'm, I'm raising it in this case, is not that it's a new network that was created by the donors themselves. This is a network that an organization called Population Services International created to bring in, uh, um, in both next-gen and older donors uh, who can support their organization. So it's, an, it's a peer network of donors that's sponsored and supported by an organization, uh, by a single non international nonprofit. Uh, I think Charity Water, for example, is another international organization that does a really good job of taking donors on these kind of impact uh, journeys, these impact site visits around the world, and showing them the direct impact of their, and I think in Charity Water's case, it's the actual water pump in the actual village that your money paid for. Um, and in addition to that, you get to see all of the other systems and things that make it possible for that, that village to, to get this help that it needs. So, you know, ways that nonprofits, the nonprofits that seem to be doing it well so far are those that are able to find ways of getting them involved with their peers and showing them the impact in creative ways. Um, and I think, uh, but again, most nonprofits are, are going to have to adapt to uh, to a lot of different ways in which the, the next generation wants to be involved. Um, and so we're going to be seeing this happening over the next uh, several years. I think nonprofits sort of figuring this out. Well, again, very, very interesting insights. And, and one of the things I want to kind of tag onto this discussion is this whole issue of social enterprise and, and company, for-profit companies now having social impact directors. And um, do you touch on your, uh, in the book or in your research about how this uh, kind of renewed emphasis, if you will, on social impact and social enterprise is changing the way nonprofits do fundraising? Or, or another way to put it maybe is should nonprofits change their fundraising strategy and incorporate some of those social enterprise uh, principles because of the growing momentum of social impact companies? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, what we would talk about in the book is that they should do so because the next generation is really excited about those changes. Uh, that's really the message from the book about that. And, and, and it couldn't be a stronger message from the book just how excited the next generation is about the possibility of new ways of solving problems that some, that, that break down some blur some of the traditional boundaries between for-profit and non-profit. Um, these new ways of solving problems that if those can create more impact, it doesn't in some ways really matter to the next generation that these are not official traditional non-profit 501c3 public charities. They, you know, in fact, they've grown up in a world um, in which these boundaries are already starting to blur, you know, where the, the boundaries between uh, sectors, you know, certainly between business and government and the, the boundaries between government and the nonprofit sector, you know, with public-private partnerships and contracting and all these other things, but really especially between the for-profit and the nonprofit sector, that that boundary that used to be so strong and, and, and some people felt important to keep there um, has really been blurring dramatically uh, over time. And the next generation is excited about the possibility for impact that can come from pushing that that blurriness even further. Um, you know, it's not, it, you know, the simple ways are, you know, fair trade coffee. You buy your coffee, but it's, you know, supporting a, a fair trade, um, uh, you know, coffee grower or pink M&Ms for, for, you know, uh, for breast cancer research or any other ways that they can both be, or Tom shoes is something that millennials, as we know, are very excited about, you know, where you can support, um, uh, like a one for one model. You buy a pair of shoes for yourself and Tom shoes donates a pair of shoes to somebody in need. And, and those ideas, 
they think are fantastic for creating more impact because they have the power of the market behind them, but they're also clearly very socially responsible. Impact investing, I think, is the biggest one. We talk about that a lot in the book because the next gen themselves keep bringing it up as a great idea. Because remember, many of these next generation donors are part of families or themselves have created significant assets, and they're being asked to figure out how are they going to invest those assets and they feel like they can do as much good in the world, if not way more good in the world, by investing those assets in ways that force companies in the market to be more socially responsible um, than they can ever by just making grants through the, you know, by, through the through the sort of interest that's kicked off from those investments of their assets. So they're really excited about impact investing as an engine for change. They're really excited about social businesses, social enterprises, um, and so if a nonprofit comes to them. Uh, as a next generation major donor and says, we're doing these things that are really, we're partnering with business in this way, or we're, we're developing this new social enterprise stream of revenue for our organization. Um, they get really excited about that because for them, that's a way of, of, of leveraging even more impact. And that's also building on a new idea that they've probably heard about that they got excited about as a way of, again, making more, uh, impact. I, I should point out that I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but, the, it's not that the next generation isn't interested in healthcare or the arts. It's more about the way that they can, the types of, in, of organizations they want to give to within those causes. But I think that's a really important point we, we shouldn't lose, and that is that the next generation is not changing the causes. They're not giving up on the on the issues we've all been caring about for many years. They just want to give to them in new ways. I think it's really interesting that you find that, yeah, there's a lot of overlap between generations now in terms of what they want to give to. I think that would be a surprise to most people to hear that, actually. Um, well, you've given a lot of good facts, and, and to my listeners, again, I think it's one of these books you need to have on your shelf, particularly if you're an ED or if you're just a donor or a board member of a nonprofit organization, you want your nonprofit to thrive. Understanding this next generation of donors and how philanthropy is changing is so important. Um, so in summary, you've got a lot of uh, uh, things that you've already shared, but in summary, what does the future hold for nonprofits and the future of fundraising as it stands now? Well, I think um, there's a few, a, a couple of sort of punchline points to make. One is that um, that there is some challenges ahead. Uh, I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll do the bad news, good news. How about that? The bad news is there are challenges ahead, and I think many nonprofits, of course, see this on the horizon. The next generation want to be different kinds of donors in some really significant ways. We don't use that term revolution lightly in the book. They do want to change something. They're going to shake some things up, and revolutions are can be messy. Um, and so there's going to be some significant transitions. And frankly, some organizations uh, that continue to do things in traditional ways or that just by the nature of the organization are sort of unable to, to adapt in a certain way that they need to adapt, they're going to suffer from uh, less interest among uh, the next generation. So the next generation is really going to require that nonprofit organizations adapt um, and that adaptation is going to uh, take a little while, um, but the, that's the bad news. Uh, the good news is that, as we say in the book, we're very optimistic, um, cautiously optimistic, but still resolutely optimistic about where this is going to take us because the next generation is genuinely interested. First of all, they're driven by values, which is a good thing. So they're, they're going to be interested and connect, committed to the mission of the organization, um, which you always want donors to be. But they're, but they're also deeply committed to making that organization more effective uh, and, ha and have greater impact and moving the needle on some of these problems that we've all been very concerned about and continue to be concerned about um, that the nonprofit sector addresses. They really want the nonprofit sector, and they're giving 
supporting it to to change the world, to make more impact. Um, and uh, and so I think that's good news. Uh, and if the nonprofit can learn, nonprofits can learn how to be good deep partners in the way that the next gen, these next gen major donors want to be partners. You know, in that really candid, deep, close relationship kind of way. Um, then, then you know the possibilities for impact are are really significant uh, and dramatic. So I think that I think it's a you know it's a it's a caution, but it's also um, an encouragement that there the possibility for greater impact and for for deep long term loyal partners uh, in major donors of your not for your nonprofit uh, is there if you can figure out how to adapt to it. I will say that that for the for us as a whole as a field. Thinking of nonprofit sector in general, um, that we can't overemphasize just how significant this moment is because of these donors coming onto the scene. And not only that, but they're with not only the fact that they have so many, so much resources that they're going to give, like I said at the beginning, but that they are right now in their developmental process in life becoming the donors that they're going to be as the major donors for nonprofits for decades to come. Now is the time when they're developing their patterns and their approaches and their preferences as major donors. And they're trying to do that, they, they told us in the book very clearly, they're trying to do that through having deep experiences, learning how to be a donor through experiential means. And so if nonprofits can, can take advantage of the urgency of this moment um, and provide those learning opportunities and those deep experiences and develop those relationships with the donors now, then they, you will be helping them in their identity journey that they're going on right now, um, and as well as, of course, developing relationships with them that could last in really uh, amazingly productive ways over the course of their lifetimes as major donors. Well, again, my guest today has been Michael Moody. He is the Fry Foundation Chair at the Dorothy A. Johnson Center for Philanthropy at Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you again, Michael, for being on the show. Um, if people want to find out more about you, your co-author, uh, or your book, where would you send them? The best, the best place to go would be to the book's website, which is generationimpactbook.org. Generationimpactbook.org. Um, uh, you can also go and find out more about the work of the Johnson Center uh, at johnsoncenter.org. Uh, which is our center here at Grand Valley State University. Um, but at generationimpactbook.org would be the, the starting point, and then we have a lot of information there. Um, and I will mention one thing that's on that website is uh, a list of the, the 13 donors that are featured in the book. And for each of them, we have them provide a little bit of information about an individual nonprofit that they, or foundation that they work with that they're particularly excited about. Um, and I think that may be something that's interesting to the to the donor or to your listeners specifically. So I would check that out. Michael, thanks so much for taking time today. Really good to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.